Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for $3.89 a month for 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease to Chrysler Capital. Extra charge for miles over 20000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another review episode of The Mandalorian here from the Geek Buddies. I am uh, I'm coming to you from a hotel somewhere in Madeira doing the best I can with I literally brought my whole setup the lights the camera the mic trying to make it all work so if there's some disturbance or it's not quite the same level please forgive me I'm just doing this on the fly as best I can and I'm very I'm one of the hosts here I'm the outlaw John Roca joined as always by my brother in the middle there uh, uh, who is this is Michael Vogel. I am coming to you from my bedroom in West Hollywood, but I do sense a disturbance in the force of Madeira. So, uh, <laughs> am I sounding okay still, or no? Is it you, a problem? You have never sounded better in the twenty years oh, that I've known you than you do that's right now. Very kind of you. That's very kind of you. It's over twenty. I hate to break it to you. Laura oh. Kelly joined us as well, sitting in for Shannon McClung, uh, who is still, uh, you know, he's on his way back. But uh, one more week, he asked us to 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 let him uh, you know, kind of rest for a little bit. And, and Laura was very kind to come on back and join us. Laura, how are you? I'm feeling fabulous. I'm excited to talk about this episode of The Mandalorian that opens in the classic. Uh, you know, trope of a gray a graveyard. It's going to be great. Can't wait to Absolutely. talk about you know the sort of wow. downside there. It's going to be fun. <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. Definitely. I'm curious. And before we go forward, just to let you all know this is a spoiler review. Spoiler review. So if you haven't watched the episode, pause this, go and watch the episode, then come on back and start it. Or if you like stuff being spoiled, 
feel free to keep watching the episode and go and watch the episode for the first or watch our review and then go and watch the episode for the first time. It's your life. You do you, boo. All right, we're going to get into chapter 15. It's called The Believer. Here, this one opens up. Uh, we get Migs Mayfeld back. Bill Burr, who, of course, was in the episode last season, The Prisoner, that also the same director of this episode directed last year, uh, Rick Famuyiwa. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, are they going to have him? And I mentioned it on last week's show. Are they going to have him direct another prison breakout episode? This didn't go quite that route. Right from the beginning, we're picking up where we left off last episode. Cara Dune letting him out and all this stuff. They're basically trying to get a a location of uh, Moff Gideon's ship so that they can go and rescue Grogu. Before we get into the beat-by-beat particulars of the episode, just overall want to hear your thoughts. Mikey, let's start with you. What are your overall thoughts about this episode? Uh, You know, this is the penultimate episode before we end this season. Yeah, so it's interesting. As a penultimate episode, uh, maybe a little bit let down? Maybe not, maybe oh, not, uh, oh. not hitting, not hitting all well, but hold on. I have two sides to this. Uh, I think just I was so hyped up because last season, season one, you hit that second to last episode and they just set you up and like all the shit hit the fan and you left on such a cliffhanger. And this episode is definitely moving everybody into position, but it didn't quite have that part one kind of feel that I think that I was expecting. Nobody told me it was going to be a big part one, but I think just because of season one, I felt that way. So I was a little bit let down as far as uh, my enjoyment of the rise of all the action that's been happening over the season. That being said, uh, as far as a philosophical discussion on the rebellion, the empire and the new Republic and all the super nerdy stuff that I get super excited about, about star Wars. There was a lot to unpack in here. There was a lot of really interesting stuff. So as part of the journey towards this epic conclusion that I'm freaking out about, not everything I wanted, but as an episode that really unearthed and discussed a lot of the more, uh, moral and ethical, uh, implications of the star Wars universe, really really interesting so it's yeah. it, i'm a little i'm a little bit somewhere in the middle on it yeah i agree with you i love what was this is my kind of episode the philosophical discussions the explorations of things look we were handed a trilogy years ago and i love my favorite part of star wars since that trilogy is when they actually explore uh the deeper complex issues that are happening and we certainly saw that in season seven of clone wars when ahsoka tano dropped from the clouds and had to talk to the sisters and you got to hear what it was like to be on the ground floor seeing all these people fighting elevated battles both uh, uh i don't know physically and also mentally and what that's really happening to people on the ground laura what was your feeling about this episode overall Overall, I really enjoyed it. I was sort of surprised how much I enjoyed it because Mm. I was also expecting a sort of part one of the finale. That's what we had last season. I kind of expected we'd be following the same journey, Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. We had our own little sort of standalone story. Um, That was really good. It wasn't, I guess you could call it a side quest kind of if you want. Um, But I, you know, as far as how it applies to the overall big picture story of the season, I thought it, it fit in really well. Um, I also really enjoyed the sort of philosophical discussions that we got out of Bill Burr and and Mando. Um, I love that they were also laced with a little bit of, uh, you know, comedic relief. There was a little bit of humor mixed into those. 
Um, of course, I, you know, absolutely, you know, loved getting to see Dear Pedro's face. So this was <laughs> overall, I really, really enjoyed this episode so much more than I would have anticipated, especially since I was really not looking forward to seeing Bill Burr again. I really right. didn't mind him. We got a really a fairly small dose of him in season one. Um, I, I mentioned, I think last week I, that I wasn't excited to see him back because, you yeah. know, since then we've seen him like host SNL and totally blow it up there. And I'm just like, I, do we really need this back yeah. in my Star Wars? Do I need it? No, I don't. But he won me over. He totally won me over. So I'm total. I'm excited to talk about uh, this character a little bit more yeah. in this episode because he was fun. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, I was in the same boat. You know, I said it last, last week's show. Why is he coming back? Said it straight into the camera. Why is he coming back? <laughs> I was completely proven wrong. And I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong in this situation. But I also think, I think they heard a cri the criticisms from last year. I think they heard the criticisms from some of the social media, some of the fans. And they changed the character a little bit more. We got a more relaxed, a more kind of deferential Bill uh, Mayfeld, rather, um, uh, he, he, even if the look his clothes, his huh, what's mm -hmm. that? Softened, I think, yeah, would be softened, the word I would go yeah, with. Yeah. Softened the philosophical. We we act. This was his episode. This was his journey. Yeah, this to confront the stuff that happened to him when he was part of the Imperial uh, Network, and so it was like that whole thing that he had to confront himself. So this was very much a redemption story in a way for Mayfeld. What an interesting thing to throw in one episode before the finale, and it totally absolutely worked i really enjoyed the episode mike i'm i think i'm on the opposite side of you on this i actually enjoyed this one way more than i thought i was going to enjoy it and i had a lot more fun with it than i thought whereas last week a little more disappointed last week than i was with that episode i know more people loved it but this week i actually thoroughly enjoyed it uh from top to bottom and i liked that everybody got a chance to do their thing you know and it was great to see the team working together boba now with that clean armor you know my man cares about being a mandalorian again he really and does he, he, yeah yeah <laughs> all, all everyone got a chance to shine and do their thing and the team worked so well together uh and we had some like tense tense filled moments we had some twists and turns where they're actually cheering for the stormtroopers to save them we had some pirate stuff going on like there was so much that they shoved into a 36 38 minute episode that i thoroughly enjoyed here I think I, I think I was, I, and I've said this in the past several weeks, I think I myself was guilty of one of the things that I've been saying ever since Ahsoka showed up, which is you throw Ahsoka in there, she drops Grand Admiral Thrawn, we think that there's going to maybe be some Jedi show up, and like, mm -hmm. as Star Wars fans, it is in our nature to start to conjecture and guess and try and put the pieces together and say, is it this, is it that, whatever. So now that we're getting to the finale and I know that I'm going to get my final Mando episode next week and then I got to wait a year for that. And then thanks yeah. to the Disney investor meeting, I then know I've got the Rangers of the Republic coming in Ahsoka and there's so much going on. Yeah. I found myself guilty of wanting some of those bigger reveals, those bigger connections to come about. And this episode didn't do that. But that being yeah. said, I it, like as soon as the episode ended, I had this sort of, huh, okay. But then as I was sort of preparing for us to discuss it and I was thinking about stuff and I was like making my notes, I was like, fuck, man, there was, there was some heavy stuff in here. And I just, yeah. I really appreciate that they, as much as, and this is what Star Wars is, Johnny, to your point, last week, they, it, Boba was back, slave yeah. one, Grogu's at the Jedi temple, doing the stuff, it's all the things. And then this week they're like, let's talk about war. <laughs> Let's talk about the duality of man. Let's talk about what does it mean to believe in something? What is really important? And like, look, it's kind of, it's silly and it's fun, but like, yeah, that's cool. actually why Star Wars 
has lasted so long because yes. it services both. There are absolutely going to be the people in our comments below that are like, this week was no good. Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? Like, I don't, like, is Ahsoka coming back? Like, where's, where's Bo-Katan? Like, there's all those things. But I kind of appreciate the fact that they, with all of those pieces on the chessboard at their disposal, said, this is the story we want to talk about. And this is the part of Star Wars that we want to explore. Yeah, and you know, my, my girlfriend who is as casual of an observer as you can be for The Mandalorian, she was watching it with me this moment before we took our six-hour drive here, and she rolled over and she said, how come I didn't see Baby Yoda? So there's no Baby Yoda in this, or Grogu, rather, in this, uh, uh, or as she calls him, Gorgonzola. There's no Grogu in this episode. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's also something interesting that they threw into. This is the first, uh, first time I think this yeah. season that we have not seen Grogu in an episode of the Mandalorian, that's something to consider as well. And I and I think all all three of us can say that's what's great about Star Wars. And you're right, Mikey. That's why it's lasted so long. So many people can come in from different angles. Different doors are open for you to enjoy the franchise. Are you a philosophical person? That's there. Do you like action? That's there. Do you like romance? That's there. Do you like creatures and cute little funny creatures? That's all there. Babu Freak. Everybody loves Babu Freak. So there's all so you like epic stories. There it is. Do you like good versus evil? It's all there for you to enjoy, depending on what time you catch Star Wars and you can get into it from there. And I love that. So, uh, all right, let's get into the episode here. We open up with uh, with uh, uh, Mayfeld on a new Republican prison planet. Uh, he is being, he's breaking down chunks of in, Imperial scrap uh, into little ones. And then, of course, a, a droid comes in. Uh, you know, it says I think it's three, four, six, six, seven. His number tells him to stand down. Then we see Cara Dune. It is Cara Dune, uh, you know, who is uh, releasing him from this prison. By the way, the scrapyard is just a treasure trove of Easter eggs, right? You've got the the Tie Fighter stuff. You got the 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 the, the uh, X Wing stuff. You've got those at at uh, carrier things in the background. Just yep. let's just stop here. What did you think about the visual images, Laura? Of as you mentioned earlier, starting out in a hashtag graveyard or scrapyard here uh, of both sides uh, of the ships. You know, there was a lot to see, and I thought it was really interesting, kind of getting to see some variations of the at at sort of in the background. Um, but yeah, it was. I think really, Cara Dune's attitude was sort of the most interesting thing to watch mm. in this. Like she was so indifferent yeah and it, it was in aloof it was it was kind of it was just sort of strange it's sort of like a, a little character departure or something i don't know uh i guess she's she's sort of growing into her role as a marshal or whatever she is now yeah marshal um, yeah yeah but i was i was i was a little bit worried at first i was like oh you know we're essentially opening up on this like ship graveyard like what mm. symbolism am i supposed to take from this is this going to end badly um, it was sort of my, my initial thought that this was going to be sort of a sad ending or something for some reason. Um, I'm really happy that it really wasn't that. I thought that ending was really epic. Um, but yeah, it was it was just sort of an interesting kind of turn for Cara Dune for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mikey, what did you feel about this opening? Well, overall? It's kind of like what I said last week where you're like, and it kind of to what you were saying, Johnny, it's like Mandalorian works at its own pace and it just decides and it lets you know. Like, are we going to spend an entire episode getting Mayfeld off of the prison planet or are we right. getting him off in three seconds? And we are getting him off in three seconds in this episode, which was great. Bunch of stuff to see. Uh, you know, yeah, so the Carthon chop field, like you said, TIE fighters, X-Wings, uh, pod racing engines. Uh, just like on the water planet, like you said, we saw that Adat crane, which uh, somebody, I was reading an article and somebody made this point and I thought it was really cool. The idea sort of symbolically that the New Republic is taking something that was built for destruction 
and turning it into something that's building things, yeah. which I think sort of as a philosophical thing was interesting. Uh, you know, we see that New Republic prison ship that is the exact same prison ship from yeah. Chapter 6, the prisoner kind of flowing overhead. Nice. And the droid that we see there is also one of the uh, New Republic prison droids that we saw in Chapter 6. So a lot of callbacks to uh, to Rick Famuyiwa's episode from Season yeah. 1. Um, so like, like you said, it's a treasure trove of stuff. And as a episode that is going to sort of examine what this war that has gone on for general, you know, this, this empire versus the rebellion, now we have the new republic, kind of starting it off in the remnants of this epic war that the galaxy is recovering from is definitely very apt. Yeah, I also think there was a little bit of symbolism here because this con- this this kind of foreshadows the conversation we're going to have between Din Djarin and Mayfeld in that transport when they say, "What does it matter? You, you born on Mandalore? Uh, you believe one thing. You're being you uh, you you're born on uh, Alderaan. You believe one thing, and at the end, neither one of them exists anymore. You know, and look at the trash heap of both sides, ships from both sides here. This essentially you 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 can support and and be a part of one side or the other, but you end up uh, your stuff." ends up in a trash heap all combined together anyway at the end so it's just an interesting little bit of foreshadowing that they're possibly laying subconsciously the groundwork for this conversation that's yeah. coming or or maybe i'm reading too deep into it who knows but either way we get into this uh, we, we move forward here and of course mayfeld is a little bit taken aback when he sees boba come out ladies and gentlemen boba uh, I don't know what he did in that time. He was cleaning that armor up. Boy, it's nice and shiny and new. Looks like he took it off an action figure. It looks so damn new. And, uh, <laughs> and Fennec as well. And, uh, you know, Mayfeld is a little bit taken aback when he sees Boba. And he says, oh, I thought you were someone else. Now, my initial uh, moment in that was I thought, oh, did he have any – did he have uh, an interaction with Boba? But no, he was essentially implying that he thought he was the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. And right after – uh, uh, but he says that Boba kind of moves to the side and there's Din coming down. And you see a different reaction from Mayfeld, a subdued reaction to kind of like, OK, I guess I'm dying. He says it like you guys got to kill me. Right. Really surprising to see this turn in Mayfeld's character. Uh, and it kind of lays uh, the groundwork for what we're going to see him do throughout the whole episode. Yeah. Was this a surprise for you, Mikey, to see him act like this? It. It wasn't as I wouldn't say it was necessarily a surprise. I think that I think I watched chapter six once, and I don't think I watched it again. So I, I didn't I have such a I didn't have such a uh, a uh, reaction to Mayfeld's character there. So like, yeah, he's been in prison. He fucked Mando over. He's like, all right, you're gonna kill me now. Like I was like, yeah, that tracks. Like I saw that was cool. <laughs> I, I I I think I was still recovering from uh from Mando's shiny armor. Like he came yeah, down right. and I was like I was like I just love the idea that these guys were like let's go let's go to uh Carthon the chop field and get Mayfeld. But you know on the way, can we stop and get some polish? And you know we got time before we get there. Nothing else to do. Can we just? Will you shine my back? I'll shine yours. Like, how are we going right. to do this? Like, that's really what, that's all I can think for a few seconds. Right. Laura, Laura is there a deleted scene where Fennec and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Kara are driving the ship and those two guys are in the back going, hey, give me yours. I'll, I'll clean it. I'll, you, you clean mine. You, is there some kind of. It's like a massage train happening back there somehow. Yeah. yeah. No, I would, if there is a deleted scene, I would love to see it because that yeah, was, was my like, question through this entire scene was. So we're just, we're not going to talk about it. We're not, we're not going to talk about the 
how the armor is clean and shiny look, and look, new. Like, no, look, look, look. Here's the thing about Beskar: is you gotta you gotta do it in circles. <laughs> Your circles on the Beskar. Like you gotta. It's uh, gentle like on. a baby. Gentle like wax. a baby on the Beskar. <laughs> wax on, wax on. It reminded me of my military days where we were constantly shining our boots. Each one of us checking our boots to see how shiny they are. It was important because the drill sergeant would come in and beat you to, or make you do push-ups till you felt like you were beaten to death if you didn't get them right. So, uh, but what did you feel about this introduction of May introduction to Mayfeld when he saw uh, Mando there, uh, Laura? Were you surprised at his, re as his reaction or his behavior towards him too? You know, at this point, I I guess I kind of wasn't. I was sort of yeah. not sure what to expect from Mayfeld. I, uh, I, I'm sort of never surprised anymore by Din Djarin's reactions to anything. Yeah, he's just yeah, like, he's yeah. so like quiet and stoic. And you know, part of it's the helmet, I get that. But he just doesn't have a lot of big reactions to really anything. Even when we saw Fennec in the last episode, yeah. it was, it wasn't really anything for me. He's just, yeah, he's, he's such a calm dude. But yeah, I am. Um, I, I think I also probably only watched episode six, like once, maybe mm -hmm. twice. Uh, and really the only thing that stuck with me was just like, why do we have a Boston accent in Star Wars? But I do yeah. think that they backed off of it a little yes, bit. They did. Just, yes, yeah, they did. Yeah, which was, it wasn't quite as loud and in your face this time, which I appreciate. I, so I think, I think they heard the fans. As much as we love Bill Barr in this episode, and please don't be that fan that goes, I told you he was great. No, no, this is not the same Mayfeld we had last season. And I think they listened, mm -mm. made some adjustments. And because I had my eye like this when he came out and I was ready for the, whoa, Oh, Manto, what are you doing, man? Like, I was ready for that. It didn't happen. <laughs> I was very happy that didn't happen. And it made, this, uh, it made the episode automatically feel more serious. And I love that. So they're, yeah. breaking him, they're breaking him out or they're getting him out of there so that he, because they know he has access to the Imperial Codes and Imperial uh, Guidelines so they can get in because they're trying to find out where Moff Gideon's ship is. May, they tell Mayfeld thinks, okay, so if I help you guys, I get out. You guys let me go. Kara says, that's not the way this works. And then Mayfeld says, what's in it for me? And they kind of just stare at him and don't give him an answer, and which I thought was really interesting. No, she says a nicer view. Like I think, nice, I think the yeah, right, I think right. the implication was uh, you're still going to be a prisoner to the New Republic, but maybe you won't have to stay in the junkyard. Like we'll find yeah. another a different prison for you, but it'll still be a prison. Yeah, fair point. That's true. They do say that. So anyway, so uh, Mayfeld says, well, he's he, he needs to go. Uh, he knows where there's a data terminal uh, and it's inside this nearby mine that produces radonium, which is a volatile kind of starship fuel. So they they head on off uh, to this planet. I'm sorry, the name of the planet escapes me. Do you guys remember the name of the Morak? Morak, yeah. right, Morak. Uh, but it's protected by an Imperial garrison. Uh, and they, that's where the terminal is that they're going to have to get to. Um, and, uh, you know, this. Uh, what was cool, though, from this moment was seeing how Slave One moves. Or yes. Gyroscope aspect. Mike, we, you know, we've studied ships. What was your feeling on this? <laughs> we've studied ships. Are we aerospace <laughs> engineers? No, no. I mean, we've talked about these Star Wars ships and how they move. We've talked. We've had we, we met. We met at theater school, John. We are not <laughs> aerospace guys. From what I recall, we went to Phantom no. together a, a few times. We did. I, waiting, so. I will say from a pure, like, usually like when I'm writing down like my thoughts that we're going to talk about in the episodes, like it's like, okay, well, here's the planet names and here's the characters and whatever. And I'll always at the top be like, here's like 
just like pure nerdery. And Slave One is such a cool ship because like it lands in one way and it flies in another way. And we've only ever really seen the cockpit and like Jango Fett in the cockpit or Boba in the cockpit in Empire. And you've never really, they've never explained the physics of how Slave One works. It's just a cool looking outside of the ship. So for them to be in there and to see all the gyros kind of go and go, oh, they go sit in the ship. They stay upright as the ship turns and watching those mechanics. That's one of those things where you're like all of the all of the production designers, all of the animators, all everybody who works on Star Wars who's such a nerd and figured that out and I was like, "Well, this is now forever canon and it's awesome." Like it yeah. really I I went right from being like how long did it take them to polish that Beskar armor to being like, "Ooh, that's how Slave One works. That's amazing." So I was very very into it. See, Laura, we do tuck ships. Laura, what did you think about this whole thing? Did you like the gyro? Because you're seeing it behind Mayfield, the kind of gyroscope aspect of it all happening. Did that surprise you? You guys are such nerds. This is hilarious that <laughs> I'm like the trivia person. And I'm like, I didn't even notice, you guys. I didn't like, I really didn't pay any attention. I was kind of like curious. I'm like, oh, so that's what the back of the slave one looks like. Okay. Mm. And that was the end of my thought process. So <laughs> I feel like our roles have been reversed somehow. You guys should be competing in the Star Wars I, League. <laughs> I think like I think like as a kid, and I never had the slave one toy, so I don't know what the slave one toy looked like, but I think as a kid, I think I just at some point decided that when they got in the ship, they sort of like hopped up into a cockpit and were like on their back when it took off. So I think it was something that was in my head so that when I saw this version, it was like my brain just sort of fritzed out. It was definitely, it was a nerd moment for sure. It's something that so many people would not even think about watching it. And I was like, oh my God. We do see a little bit of that though in Attack of the Clones. I think where we do see Mm. Boba in the cockpit as a kid and he's like on his back. Yeah. Um, So yeah. There, there is. You didn't just yeah. get your heart. It did exist okay. at some point. We can. And, we, and we do get that shot later on in the episode, which is really cool. When he goes to save them at the end, yeah, he is like it, like he's going up a roller coaster. He's like this, which is pretty cool. The yeah. the other part, and this is just overall for the episode, but I just wanted to bring it up right now is yeah, it's so funny that after years, mm-hmm. literally years of conjecture about Boba Fett and did Boba survive and Boba's a badass and like just these the mythology around Boba Fett that he's just chilling out with Mando now like it is he's like it there's the (laughs) the the mystery is instantly gone and he's just this dude doing what he does but it kind of makes it cooler to me like like that they're not trying to be like oh that Boba he's so mysterious we're nervous to talk to him like whatever like he's just in it doing his Boba shit and it's pretty awesome I agree with you, Mike. They just kind of roll right on past that mystery. And guess what? He's back. Deal with it. We're rolling yeah. on. And I think having someone like tomorrow. And by the way, I had my questions about a Boba series based on last week's episode. But seeing Tamora really kind of step in the role, have more to do, have more to say as they were planning their attack on that uh, on that garrison and uh, on Morak, it was uh, or the compound on Morak. It was great to see how comfortable he felt speaking about it, like it was no big deal, and all the things he was laying out. I was like. Okay, I think maybe I'd be okay with seeing a Boba series if it happens, uh, if Tamora is going to be the lead in it. If, if they don't recast it, I'd be okay with it because he seemed very comfortable in the role this week, which was great to see. Um, this, I'm going to lay the groundwork on this with you all right now and for the people watching. I think this is where The Mandalorian stopped being. This episode is where the series stopped being 
I don't know. I protecting this guy, protecting this Grogu, protecting this. And it became a father son story. And I think this is the episode where it has officially become a father son story for a number of reasons. Certainly here, as we get to the planet and everyone's scoping everything out, they've got, they're going to decide who's going to drive that, uh, that transport. Uh, and everyone says, well, no, you can, you know, my face, they're going to basically see where I, they're going to see who I am and where I've been. And they'll immediately be. So Mando says that, okay, I'll ride with him. And it was like, well, you've got to take off your helmet. Uh, and he actually does it, not at this point where you can see his face, but he does take off his helmet to put on a trooper's helmet once they jump down and knock him out. And this is like, once again, this is the first step in this in this episode where you see the Mandalorian kind of sacrificing his principles or sacrificing something he hasn't done before because there's a bigger cause. And that's what fathers do for their children. The things they held on to in the past they kind of move past those points of views or make sacrifices in certain ways they never thought okay. to do for the, for, to save their children or to help their children. And I think this is one of those moments, as we see through the episode, that he does these things or he violates these principles that he's had before because the greater good is saving his child. So I don't know. I'm just I something to think about. Oh, uh, you know, I was uh, I, I I was gonna disagree with you when you started talking, but you sold me over. I I was okay. gonna say that I thought chapter thirteen was where they really doubled down on the father son dynamic. But you are right. That was where you know I think we actually talked about it. Like just seeing his him as the nervous father when Ahsoka was talking to Grogu, uh, really affected me emotionally. But I do think that building his moment of I have to take my helmet off as a mm-hmm this is now more important to me than the way of the children of the watch. I think you might be right. I actually agree with that. What do you think, Laura? Am I off base? Am I crazy? I don't know. I don't think you're off base. I think we definitely built to it. Um, Probably Mm. starting in episode 13, but I do, or in chapter 13, I'm sorry. Um, But I do think that it was, it was really interesting how they sort of have been weaving it in and out this season and then how they really kind of doubled down on it in this episode we have Cara Dune actually saying, like, I, I think she says it to um, to Bill Burr that his kid was taken. Like, she actually right. calls yeah. she calls Grogu his kid, and the Mandalorian doesn't stop and be like, "Listen, he's just he's just a kid. He's just my mission. He's I just have this task I have to." He he doesn't correct her in any sense. And then we see that like that really emotional plea sort of at the end of the episode that with Moff Gideon in the hologram, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. You mean that the one taken yeah. moment? That was the taken moment. The like, taken oh, moment, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I have and taking skills and I'm coming for you and I'm gonna well, kill you. Yeah. And also, I mean we'll get there to the end, but like taking yeah. Moff Gideon's exact speech from season one oh, so and bad. saying it back to him, but with the layers of meaning underneath it, like that is some A plus plus writing. Like it was amazing. Well, and I will say that little speech at the end, it is, there's the one little difference is that Moff Gideon referred to Grogu as an it in season yeah. one. And then we've got Din Djarin referring to him as a he, yes. which I kind of like, there's like this little, little sliver of humanity added to that yeah. speech right at the end that I really appreciated. Right, right. It, and, they, and they're consistent with that. At the end of last week's episode, Moff Gideon, when he, when he goes into the room and, with the stormtroopers and Grogu is force beating everybody up, he refers to him as it too. Like they're very consistent in Moff Gideon looking at Grogu as an object and Din Djarin looking at Grogu as a child, as a person. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where he gets into that tank trooper outfit, Cara Dune gives him that smirk and he hands over the Beskar armor to her to take care of. Uh, and they jump into that into that uh, uh, transport. And the juggernaut. Tank, essence, the juggernaut there. And he's <laughs> dressed like they're both dressed as tank troopers, which we last saw in Rogue One. So that was nice to kind of see that. But Bill Burr immediately, Mayfeld immediately takes off his helmet uh, and they drive through. And this is where we get to the philosophical uh, part of the of the uh, episode where they drive by these kids who kind of look like Dinjarin did as a founding. Yeah. They're all sitting there looking angry at them, and they get into this discussion about what we mentioned earlier about how if you were a Mandalore, do you think those people that were killed during the Mandalorian Wars cared about one another? Do you really think that? And if you were a Mandalore or or, or you're from Alderaan, like you, whatever you believed, you're neither one of those planets exists anymore neither one of those things rather exist anymore so all these things talking about the fact that war uh you know there's there's way more happening on the ground while we're all talking about these highfalutin ideas there's way more of a price to be paid for the people who are on the ground who are not necessarily jedi or or force users or what have you and it's it's not the first time we've seen this in star wars it was nice to see it here yeah, I, you know, one thing that I love about Clone Wars Animated, and they are just taking pages out of that playbook and doing it, is uh, Clone Wars Animated just dives into the complications of the Senate and what the Jedi were doing and how you can be a peacekeeper of the galaxy while you're a general in an army fighting a war. And they they didn't shy away from it. They didn't try and make it make, they didn't try and make it make sense. Their way of making it make sense was to be like, this doesn't make sense. The Jedi have lost their way. And that's one of the greatest things. I mean, that's why one of the reasons why Ahsoka leaves. And as you were saying, Johnny, at the beginning, when Ahsoka meets the Martez sisters in yeah. season seven of Clone Wars, the Martez sisters have a very different opinion of the Jedi. So they took something that was uh, at best not explored in the prequels and at worst kind of clunkily put together in a way that you didn't really think this through. And they really turned it into a really interesting discussion about this society and the government and what it means to be a peacekeeper. And now, as we have this sort of J.J. Abrams with Force Awakens going, hey, so there's a New Republic, there's a Resistance, and there's a First Order. It's kind of the same thing as there was before. Yeah. That's what we got. They are now building this case to be like, hey... The New Republic is trying their best. It's kind of a mess. Most people in the galaxy are like, New Republic, Empire, who cares? It's all a bunch of bullshit and we're all suffering. And then the Empire's opinion through uh, Commander Hess, later on in this episode, sorry, I had to look at my notes there. Uh, Commander Hess's opinion, which is very much uh, what we also got in season yeah. one, was this idea that like the Empire offers order. That people don't want freedom, they just want someone who's going to put order into everything and tell them what to do. And so they're building a case for how the New Republic falls apart and how the First Order rises up yeah. through this sort of philosophical debate about, like, war is war. And as much as everybody, uh, as much as there are the detractors who don't like Last Jedi, mm -hmm. this is all very similar uh, to what Benicio del Toro's character talks about yeah. when he kind of goes through those plans where he's like, oh, you know, first order resistance, like somebody's selling everybody, like that the, peop the people who make weapons are selling weapons to both sides. So this sort of, the complications of this black and white good versus evil universe uh, are just at the forefront of all of this. And I find it really interesting. 
Yeah, Laura, what'd you think about this? I mean, because I remember Han Solo was like, oh, that's ancient stuff. Okay, what, what is all that? You know, he, that's how we were first introduced to him. And he eventually, you know, has that line in Force Awakens. Was like, it's all true. It's all true. But for the most part, most people, and I want to read uh, Mayfeld's actual line. He says, do you really think all those people that died in wars fought by Mandalorians actually had a choice? So how are they any different than the Empire? If you were born a Mandalorian, you believe one thing. If you were an Amaron, you believe something else. But guess what? Neither of them exist anymore. Uh, did you find this to be a surprising interaction here? here and kind of make you take a step back because it's almost also subtly what they've been doing this entire season kind of making mando question his allegiance to this children of the watch or this upbringing to the children of the watch what did you think about all this well this always brings me back to the idea that while you know the man dinjarin is who he is but he is always willing to learn and to yeah. sort of explore other points of view. And I really appreciate that about this character. He's not he's not as stubborn, I think, as he could be. They very easily could have gone that way with this character. Um, and they, they really haven't. He seems very open-minded, and I really appreciate that. Um, but I think that, I mean, for many reasons, prequel enthusiasts probably got a lot out of this episode. Um, especially with these oh, yeah, sort of point. philosophical talks, sort of talking yes. about the New Republic and comparing it to the Empire and how the whole governmental makeup of the galaxy right now is just in total disarray. Yeah. Um, I love how, you know, this speech that, that Hess makes actually uses the word that people want is order. Right. And I found that really interesting and almost wondered, if, are we going to start getting into, I think, what John Favreau had hinted about in interviews probably two years ago, talking about how we are going to start seeing the initial, you know, sort of forming of the First Order. Mm -hmm. um, that, that word just felt sort of meaningful in that in that moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that this was this was really fun. I kind of felt a lot of like building up to some of the vibes that we're getting in like the Alphabet Squadron books. If anyone's reading those, we're right. sort of in the early days of the Empire there, right after the, the Battle of Endor. Um, and then Bloodline is another book where we dive into the yeah. the galactic politics and yeah. where the New Republic is at. And I this right. is kind of bridging the gap between all of those eras and I, I'm just living for it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, in Bloodline, they really kind of underscore the challenges that Leia is having with the whole idea that the New Republic is built up of like, you know, we have Democrats, Republicans, they have populists and centrists and the populists, like what Leia is like, they're like, hey, we just had this giant organized force that took over every planet. We shouldn't have that. Every planet should sort of be free to lead. And the centrists which are made up of people who want the best for the galaxy and also people who used to be part of the empire are like, no, 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 you need someone controlling everything. You need a body that's sort of saying, here's the basic rules. And, you know, you can kind of see through that that both of those things don't really fully work. Like that, that and, you, and you're seeing how everyone is filling in these gaps between the original trilogy and the new trilogy and kind of being like, yeah, this is how it fell apart. Which I just, I, again, like I said at the beginning of this, this is not necessarily the epic Jedi battle and uh, amazing characters that you've always wanted to see in Star Wars. This is the politics stuff, which I think I get super, I, I'll get as nerdy about that as I will about how Slave 1 uh, takes off with the cockpit moving. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And look, I mean, we when when I pitched the Jedi way to Laura, I said I wanted the show to be about more of the philosophical concepts in Star Wars. That's you know, because Mikey and I have had many conversations about that, and so that's the way I like to look at things, and that's my approach to Star Wars. And so uh, we love doing that on the show. And this is one of those episodes kind of reflects something we could be discussing on the show and in the future, possibly in an episode for sure. Uh, but just before you're feeling that way, Mike. 
Mike. The episode says, hold my beer. I've got some action for you. And it's all of the pirates show up and there's pirate booty to be kicked uh, in this, uh, in this, uh, in the sequence here. And well, uh, Din Djarin holds his own against a fleet of pirates uh, rolling through here. Uh, Laura, what was your reaction? Oh, Mikey, did you have something? Just one thing to point out. And then Laura, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Pirates or insurgents that are trying to protect their planet? I don't know. He said pirates. So I went with pirates. He did. Din Djarin, said, Din Djarin says pirates, but this is the point in the episode where everything yeah. starts to really invert. And they are protecting something for the people that we don't usually root for mm -hmm. and things are changed. So they do say pirates, but we've seen enough Star Wars uh, episodes where we're on the sides of the rebels where uh, hijacking an Imperial uh, juggernaut that's filled True. with explosive devices and throwing a thermal detonator on there and blowing it up so that the Empire can't have it. Uh, that's right out of the Rebellion handbook. So just yeah. we keep I, I think that's an interesting thing. But uh, yeah, Laura, go ahead. What were your well, thoughts on all of this? Real quick, I want to address that. That makes uh, perfect sense, Mike, except that we haven't seen these creatures before. So maybe, and from whatever, in the number of sites, no one can say that they've seen these creatures before, or these species before. Sorry, not creatures, species before. If we had seen them in villages or whatever, then I think I would have agreed with you. But you could still I, absolutely be right. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm definitely right. I'm saying to that point, I, I think I think they did it. I think they purposely did it in a way to be vague. Like if we had seen the exact yeah, same alien totally sort fair. of suffering, we would have known and we would have been right. rooting for them. I think they did it in a way to sort of keep us like, oh yeah, these are the bad guys, but wait, we're the bad guys. So we're the baddies. We're the baddies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Laura. Well, I think you actually make a really good point, Mike, because I had it in my notes of like, what exactly are they after? What is the point of this? They're not trying to steal the Rhydonium to use it. Oh. They're trying to blow it up, yeah. which just seems like chaos for the case of of chaos. So I, I, I did question a little bit what the point of that was. And I think you make a good point and a good pitch for what that could potentially have been about. Um, but I do think with that with the uh, with the Rhydonium and this whole like sort of like heist sequence that we have um, had rung a lot of like the bells that we got from Solo, a Star Wars story. So I was enjoying that component very much. Yeah. What I loved the most was the evolution of the hand to hand combat when, with Mandalorian against these pirates. We'll just call them. Um, because it, when he's in this armor, I think he kind of forgets like, oh yeah, this isn't yeah. Beskar. Like we this see him take true. a couple of yeah. really serious hits, yeah. uh, in, in this sequence, we see him shooting the gun, which runs out of ammo, which is another thing that almost never happens in Star Wars. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And then, yeah, eventually having to like really kind of, you know, take the spear and, and, and really go at them. I will say this sequence did drag a little bit for me. I, they just oh, kind of wow. kept coming and I was waiting for it to end so we could just kind of continue the plot forward. And I found that in my second rewatch, I was kind of hitting that 10 second skip ahead button because I was, I'm not in it for the action sequences, you guys. I'm not a gamer. Like I don't uh, get in and play like video games for, in Star Wars. That's not my jam. So I was getting a little bit tired of the sequence, but essentially that's really my only quick criticism of the episode. I, I thought it was badass and I enjoyed it, but I totally take your point, Laura. But I, we even got a Captain America moment right at the end there when he was like, <sighs> when he saw the oh. seven other ships coming, I'm going to do this all day. <laughs> I'm going to do this all day, which I thought was That's cool. really funny. I, uh, I wrote down that that was an Indiana Jones moment. But oh, I, but right. you are right. No, like, I, I, uh, I, watching this, uh, definitely a little bit of solo heist, uh, a little bit of a classic train heist movie. But it also was giving me vibes of like either the tank battle in Last Crusade or uh, the train chase with River Phoenix at the beginning of Last Crusade. But both the running out of ammo 
and sort of the way that he really took a beating because he was wearing shitty Stormtrooper armor. And, Johnny, to your point, that moment where, you know, he's just fought off so many and more come, and it's that... I was like, oh, this is just, this is like classic <laughs> indie to me. But you are right. Cap Cap also works for that. But that idea that you're like, you just keep going and you're like, all right, we're just going to yeah. keep doing this, I guess. And then uh, and then he's rescued. And, and you're right, Mike. This is where the episode, which you said earlier, just a, few, a, few, a couple of minutes ago, the episode gets inverted. This idea that the Stormtroopers and the TIE Fighters are now saving these guys from this moment. And they're actually saluting him and cheering him as he's rolling through. Uh, and even Mayfeld says, you know, uh, do you ever think you have a day where you'd be happy to see stormtroopers uh, as they roll <laughs> in to this compound and, and, and step on out to go uh, to get to this terminal and then are confronted, which is, a, I, this is where I had a little bit of an issue with the episode. If as soon as, ba- as soon as Bill Burr steps in, if he's afraid to be recognized, he certainly hangs out in that open area long enough for the homie to recognize him. So I was a little surprised. It almost felt like an SNL sketch a little bit, how they were trying to kind of, you know, push this situation. And But then Mando goes in and Mando takes off his effing helmet. Laura, I go to you. This was so casual and it brought to mind, and I maybe I'm wrong on this, but it brought to mind some of the rumors that had happened off season that he was upset about the fact that he Pedro Pascal couldn't take off his helmet, wanted to take off his helmet more. Not saying there's any credibility to that rumors. I didn't think so at the time, but the casual way with which he did it this time with no fanfare or anything um, was surprising to me. What did you think? With Mayfeld getting off of the transport without his helmet, my first thought was, okay, what the hell? Um, But my second thought was, I wonder if he's actually, if he was a former Imperial, is he trying to get recognized? Is he trying to escape whatever prison situation he was in to try and get back to this Imperial remnant? Um, and sort of join up with them. So I, I couldn't, I was trying to read what was going on in this situation, but I was, I was very confused because I was like, this just seems to be very obviously setting up Din Djarin taking off his helmet, which mm-hmm. the whole episode was sort of hinting that that was going to happen at some point. Um, but I was very surprised when it did happen. It was just, yeah. it was, it was so quick and so casual. It just kind of seemed like nothing. Um, But I was sitting in bed watching just being like, oh, my God, (laughs) like I couldn't believe that it was happening. And then it stayed off for so long. For so long. I was having so much anxiety watching this episode. I'm like, you got your face scanned. You can put the helmet back on. No one's going to know if you put like you were you only had it off for a second, put it back on. But I kind of like that they left it off. It just kind of it gave me this like. It was this sense of tension that just hung over this entire sequence without yeah. him having his helmet on. It was bizarre. And, and, they, and they do pay off that anxiety with what happens in just a little bit. But certainly, yeah, you're right. Took it up. But then again, once again, Michael, and get your thoughts on this too. But once again, here he is violating or, you know, violating one of his principles because the greater good is his child. Saving his child matters more. And as a dad, that's what you do sometimes. And I feel like this was yet another reinforcement of that uh, idea. What'd you think about him? What'd you think about first Bill Burke doing all this stuff? And then of course, Mando taking the helmet off. So, uh, well, first thing I thought was, uh, did you, did anybody else think that like the stormtroopers were all cheering? Cause they were like, no stormtrooper has ever had that much accuracy or fought that hard. <laughs> Like, 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 I, like, I get what they're going for, for sure. That like, we're seeing, like, like, we're definitely seeing the stormtroopers and we're supposed to see them as like, this is our guys. But like, there was this moment because like Mando is in his stormtrooper gear and he's like, he literally just fought off like how many different like ships of pirates or insurgents. And he gets there and all the stormtroopers are like, 
Yeah, and you could just see them being like, fuck, man. Now that's the aim I'm looking for. I want to train with this guy. Like, it just cracked me up. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure, like, you know, like, it's one of, like, I, yeah, when, when Miggs didn't have his helmet on, I was like, what's this about? But yeah, then when it was all set up with the whole, you've got to take your helmet off, like, it was great. It, it, they've been building up, what they've done, it, which is really great, is uh, they've, they've built this interesting thing for him, like, with Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians being like, we take off our helmet. Like, this yeah. is a, this is your thing that you're, this is what you believe in, but, like, you don't, that, that is not necessarily a Mandalorian thing. And then you just had him and Migs having this just giant discussion about, like, the philosophy of war and, like, yeah. what, what do you believe in? You know, he's like, he's like, so do you take the helmet off? Are you not allowed to take the helmet off? Is it just you can't show your face? Like, what are your rules here? I don't know. And given that the episode is called The Believer, which I think could apply to multiple characters in this yeah. episode, but as far yeah. as Din is concerned... It really is like what he has believed in, the whole this is the way thing that he has believed in for two seasons, uh, Grogu is now what he believes in. Right. To, John, to John's point. Like the episode is called The Believer and it is a whole discussion about belief and it's the episode where he takes off his helmet, not because he's about to die like he was in season one. Um, and, and then he sort of had his out that IG-11 uh, was not technically real like yeah. he took his helmet off and everyone was looking at his face like this is in direct violation of his beliefs but grogu is that important like that's yeah. now what he believes in so i thought that was great um uh, and then be and then before we ratchet up the tension i do think it, they, they this is where you got that little bit of fun humor in there when um commander hess does come up and starts grilling yeah. him and migs comes in with all the oh yeah he can't he can't hear so good we call him <laughs> brown eyes <laughs> That's why the, no TK number. Yeah, he can't hear you, man. Like it was, it was a, uh, it was, it was a nice little bit of levity before we dove into like the tension, as Laura was saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's it's so great. And by the way, that actor is the same guy who plays the Night King in Game of Thrones. He's also Joe Chill in Batman Begins. So, very creepy actor to play uh, Imperial Officer Valen Hess. And this is about Operation Cinder, right? This is what uh, ends up uh, the ghosts, in essence, of uh, of Mayfeld's past now come to visit him in this moment. And of course, he plays it off. Try they, he tries to walk Din Djarin away with it, uh, away from it. He makes some comment now. I can't remember what the comment was. Oh, yes, this is the moment of the TPS. Uh, listen, Office Space is canon in Star Wars now. The TPS reports. Yeah. That line was uttered. Laura Kelly and I texted about it earlier. You have <laughs> now made Office Space canon. Is this Has this movie been shown in the future? This is my or the galaxy. I actually was like, far, far away. I actually literally was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> did, they, uh, did they just uh did they just drop a tps report like that it was brilliant it was great they've got hollow vids of the office, being, uh, yeah, office in star wars and i'm here for that i wanted someone was awesome. beating up a printer in the corner that's what i wanted yeah but yeah. <laughs> but yeah he brings them over they sit down after the tension is kind of dissipated because he says i just want to have a drink with you guys because you guys are the only ones who survived uh, bringing the, uh, the the tank in there and so they all sit down and they're having this drink and they're having this back and forth and Michael we go back into the philosophical discussion this idea that this was a plan Operation Cinder was put in place if the Empire was ever to, to if the Emperor was ever to die they were uh, commanded to like destroy these uh, Imperial outposts and kill yeah. these people and what have you uh, and it's a horrible plan that they put in place and uh, because he's such a great villain the actor playing uh, Richard Brake is the actor playing Valen Essie just goes, well, they died in honor of the empire. They died serving the empire. And it 
is just that last straw for Mayfield. And out of nowhere, Han style, he shoots first and takes him out. What was your reaction to all of this, Michael? And then wipes out everyone in the co- in the in the uh, in the uh, in the area there and said, well, uh, you know, that now no one can see your face. So uh, I think as as we all said, as we all as we all said last week, like not I'm not the hugest Bilber fan in the world. Yeah. Like he's not tops of my list, but uh, his acting in this moment was just fantastic. Uh, yeah, the talk about Operation Cinder, which, as you said, you know, Palpatine being like, if I die, burn it all. It's plan, burn it all. Uh, where just, you know, thousands and thousands of people were killed. And to sort of see, you know, we're so used to seeing stormtroopers or people that fought for the Empire or were on the Imperial side as these, like, faceless, uh, drones or just purely evil people. And to see Bill Burr sort of dealing with what, he dealt with like the fact that he had all these people that he fought with that were just killed and destroyed and to have commander Hess just being so cavalier about it and just watching him slowly like trying to control himself in his face and not being able to another thing that i find really interesting about commander Hess and they've done this a lot in mandalorian is it's pretty much star wars canon that imperial officers are like british like that is yes Imperial officers are British because we're usually talking about colonialism, which is another thing that was sort of referenced or touched on in this episode. But they've definitely, um, with Mandalorian, uh, rounded out Imperials uh, so that they don't all have British accents. And Hess just had this sort of hint of a Southern drawl Mm -hmm. that made him so sort of like feel like... Like the way he, it just felt so like, ugh, it, it was, it was, it was interesting to take another dialect and place it in an Imperial officer and kind of see what that mixture did. And the mixture was, you're creeping me out, dude. Um, <laughs> and I say that as someone from the South who can drop a y'all like anybody can, but, uh, but yeah, it definitely was kind of creepy and just was so gross. And like, like you said, and like, like Laura said, his talk about order, like the pride that he took in the empire. And again, and I'm. This is where we're going with the Ahsoka series and the squadrons of the the, the are the New Republic, reigned uh, uh, the Rangers of the New Republic. Like this idea that the New Republic can't get their shit together, and that the the remnants of the Empire are like, we are going to bring order right. to this universe, and that's what you need. And the entire concept of a group of people looking at others and being like, I know what you think you want, but I know better than you and I'm going to tell you what you need. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this is a thing that we're going to come to over and over and over again. So yeah. a lot of stuff to do that. But yes, then Bill, uh, Migs, Migs can't take it anymore, pulls the Han, uh, mm-hmm. McClunky, McClunky's him. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, you have that moment where him and Mando sort of look at each other and it's like, you just shot an officer in the middle of an Imperial base. Like, right, right. right. <laughs> In a mess hall, <laughs> and then you wipe out everyone else. And I think, as an afterthought, he said, "Well, yeah, no, no one can uh, say what what you look like," which I don't think was his intention at all. Uh, Laura, what'd you think about all of this? <laughs> and of course, you know, we'd heard about. Uh, let me throw something in here. The, you know, the Operation Cinder had been referenced from what I'm reading here. A plot point: a number of novels set after the Galactic Civil War. Yep. At the at the end of it, the Operation ravaged several planets, including Imperial Utopia, Vardos, and Battlefront Two, and Naboo in the Shattered Empire comic book series. What was your reaction to this all being referenced? And then what uh, Mayfeld ended up doing uh, to everyone there in that mess hall? 
I really enjoyed this this reference to Operation Cinder. Now, I didn't play Battlefront, and I know that there's a lot of Operation Cinder stuff happening in Battlefront 2, um, but having read the first Alphabet Squadron book, it's definitely referenced in that, and it was kind of, I really enjoyed the sort of component of, component of bringing aspects of that story into this, um, and introducing to a wider audience um, what Operation Cinder yeah. was and what actually yeah. happened after the Battle of Endor, because it, as we all know now, wasn't just happily ever after for 30 years right. after, right. Uh, after Return of the Jedi. But I, I, I agree with about Hess. I definitely got like icky villain vibes from him um, because yeah. that actor is brilliant at bringing those vibes to whatever story, whatever character he's playing as he did in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- my initial thought after this episode ended was that the believer was a reference to him just because he seemed so, you know, he was so strong in his convictions and his beliefs about what was going on with the empire. That was my first reaction um, was that, that that was an application to him. Um, But yeah, this was, this was definitely an interesting villain. I do enjoy how they're bringing Americans into the empire. Um, They are calling us out a little bit for our own colonialism, I think, which is totally fair. Um, and but it's definitely an interesting turn from from well, always well, being British. <laughs> the timing of the politics here too. Let's be real now. I mean, mm-hmm. this idea of con- like you hearing it now, what's happening in our let's we can't separate. I'm sorry if some of you might be offended by this. I apologize, but we can't separate what's actually happening in our world in our country. And you're seeing it reflected a little bit in Mandalorian. This idea of like, what do these people up there care about it? Us down here, there's real. Do we? You know, do, do you think we had a choice in this whole thing? There's other people making this decisions about sending young men and women to war there's other people making decisions about what happens with a vaccine or with a stimulus or whatever that affect or unemployment that affects millions of lives while they sit around with free health insurance making their money getting their speaking fees having their five houses and what have you it's that kind of separation that's really being highlighted in a in a in a subtle way possibly or in a not so subtle way depending on how your receptors are working as you're watching this thing Mikey, you, I'm sorry, you were going to say something? I don't even remember. I was so enraptured by what you were saying. I started, <laughs> I started, I started thinking about politics and, uh, and then I just like sort of wandered off and started thinking of Mitch McConnell in an Imperial commander outfit. And, uh, and it just got weird. It got weird. Uh, no, but I was to, to Laura's point, to Laura's point, I do yeah. agree with you. I think that having this episode called the believer, uh, it, it applies to Mando's story arc in this hundred percent It a thousand percent applies to Hess and what his viewpoint of the empire is. And, you know, as Johnny said, this is really Miggs's episode. And Miggs, as sort of someone who, uh, at the beginning of the episode, is is in a very, it doesn't matter mm. place. Empire, New Republic, it doesn't matter. He clearly is about to take a turn on that front, uh, yeah. on that. And so he might be the believer. Not, not necessarily in the same way, but as someone who... The, the, the person who didn't believe in anything maybe is choosing a side a little bit more, you right. know, and, right. and becoming on the road to becoming a believer, maybe. So I think it kind of applies to all three of them. Yeah, great point. Uh, well, they, they you know, kick out uh, after fighting off the uh, troopers that are coming in. They kick out one of those panels, slide one on out. And with the help of Kara and Fennec Shan, their incredible sniper abilities, they make it all the way to the roof, fighting off these troopers still. And then Boba shows up in Slave One. They get they jump on top of jump into Slave One, rather. Uh, and uh, they, they roll on out and uh, land there. And they have this conversation uh, about uh, about the possible death of Miggs Mayfeld in this compound therefore in essence setting him free what they 
said they weren't going to give him at the beginning of the episode. By the end of the episode, because of all the work he did and how he got the information, they kind of, in essence, Kara does as a Marshal of the New Republic, let him go. And Din does have the coordinates to where Gideon's ship is as well. Mike? Well, and more specifically, and again, to what I was referencing, is as they do get out of there, like, he served his purpose. He did what he was supposed to do. He got Mando in there. They fought their way out. Once he was free, he didn't have to go... Take uh take the uh take the cycler rifle the the Tuscan Raider cycler right. rifle that Boba had and shoot that uh Redonium Redonium right right Redonium uh Redonium like he didn't have Rodian? to do that Rodian? I thought it was Rodian maybe you're right Rodian no. is a species <laughs> Redonium is an explosive oh uh, right at the end right the right yeah like he yeah, he didn't have to shoot it and blow up the entire base yep. but you know when when he, when um when Hess kind of points out to him what the Empire is going to use that stuff for, you know, that they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Like, he makes a choice to do that against the Empire, and Cara Dune sees that. So that's where I was saying, like, his sort of, his road to becoming a believer kind of comes in there. And really quick, just a shout out to uh, Boba using his daddy's seismic bomb. Uh, love the seismic bomb. Oh, like when the when he's making his escape and the Tie Fighters are coming after him, and he just drops that seismic charge that we have not actually seen since uh, Attack of the Clones when Jango Fett uses it. Yeah. Uh, great callback. It's a cool weapon. Why don't we see it more often? It's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so th- I, it was. I thought they played the moment with him uh, getting to go free very cute. Yeah. They, it was a cute little moment with Mando and Cara Dune being like, I, mean, hey, I guess he died. I'll go because I'll go if you say I can go. I'll go. <laughs> and then and then Mando just gives him the head nod. He's like, "Yeah, get the fuck out of here." What do you think we're telling you? Like, go. Like, he kind of just jogs away. <laughs> uh, Laura, what do you think about all of this as he escapes and they, you know, the a great explosion and the uh, the charge and then out there at the end where they let him go? What's your feelings on all of that? Well, Michael, I'm glad you brought up the seismic charge because I was going to say we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge <laughs> the seismic charges and the epic sound design that we got oh. from Attack of the Clones and then brought yeah. into the Mandalorian just it's so perfect now would it have been nice if they had held back and done it in the finale assuming the slave one's going to be in the finale of the season yes maybe but i'm still happy that we got to see it and i'm sure all the prequel enthusiasts out there were just like cheering i was yeah i was just really excited on their behalf <laughs> um so i really enjoyed it i have a feeling we're probably yeah. going to see mayfeld again um, because he lived, no one's allowed to just be a bigger actor in in the Mandalorian and not make a reappearance, which makes me think that maybe yeah. Hess could have potentially survived and gotten out in the time oh. that he escaped. We might be seeing him again. Again, you can't just be someone and be in one episode. You got to come back at some point. I'm just yeah. I'm putting it out there in the universe. That's my prediction that he'll be back. I don't disagree with you. I think for sure this is that this Bill Burr, this uh, Mayfeld is going to continue in some shape or form and maybe has as well, but certainly Mayfeld is going to come back and be a more integral part of some mission next season uh, when they do the episode with him. And I wonder if Rick brings him back. Seems to be Rick enjoys directing Bill Burr. And so maybe that's uh, what the, what episode they line him up with. Uh, I love the charge moment as well. Look, I love when star Wars does those moments where it goes silent and then the explosion happens. Yeah. Uh, certainly, that's my favorite moment in Last Jedi when Holdo rams uh, her 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 Aratus into the supremacy at light speed, and it just goes silent. And I lost my shit in the theater. And seeing it again here in a minor form, I loved it. I went insane for it. So really cool stuff. Thanks for bringing that up, Michael. I did kind of roll right past that. But yeah, so they they end up. You know, we see uh, you know uh, Mayfeld running away, and then we see Slave One taken off, and then we get the message. Woo! 
the taken message where home where uh, they you know that uh, <laughs> female imperial officer comes in and she says you gotta see this moff gideon they put it up and there's a mandalorian full on man i have a special set of skills and anyway i just thought it was badass what I, did you guys think of this now all i can think of is mando just screaming give me back my son like from give ransom me back my son. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> give me back my son like um yeah, it was yeah. great it, it was a great call to action for the finale like like I, like I said at the beginning as much as this wasn't the part one like we had in uh season one of mando like they 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 clearly wanted to tell this story that dealt with the things they wanted to deal with but yes you ended up with i'm coming for you and you thought he was important you thought it like to laura's point you thought it was important to you but he's really important to me in ways you're never going to understand. I'm going to come kick your ass. So definitely like gearing things up for a big uh, Beskar Spear Darksaber showdown next week. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Laura, like this is the first time we've seen even a slight hint of worry or fear or concern on Gideon's face. Did that surprise you when you saw that? And what did you think about them using this speech? Gideon's own words against him. Didn't surprise me at all. Um, I, I love that we get to see a little bit of the the, the facade crack uh, mm-hmm. with Gideon because he was just so, for lack of a better term, giddy at the end of last the last right. episode where he finally had Baby Yoda back. Um, but yeah, I love that we we sort of got the you know Star Wars always rhymes, and this was season two, episode seven, season one, episode seven. We had the same speech, mm-hmm. um, and so that was sort oh, of a nice point. I think component that they brought back. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this was. Overall, I'm I just am so unsure as to what to expect yeah. in the in the finale. I'm just like I want to bring Bo Katan back. I want to bring Ahsoka back. I'm now reverting back to my earlier prediction that Ahsoka was a one and done. I'm kind of thinking that that might be the case. We may not see her again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do hope that we do see Bo Katan again. I think that would actually be easier to work in, but. Yes. Yeah, I, we've we've set up what is going to be a really exciting finale. However, I really hope that they actually will go with a longer runtime. Some of yeah. these re- more recent episodes have yeah. been on the shorter side, and I find that really annoying. I'm like, just give me an hour. Just come yeah. on. Yeah, I, 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 I was thinking that when we finished this episode, I was like, if the trade-off is we don't really do a part one, part two, but next week they kind of go for the long episode. like, And I think they might. I mean, you know, it's like one of those, like, they're... They clearly know they're succeeding, and when you're succeeding, you know the mouse opens up his 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 bank a little bit, or <laughs> or Scrooge Scrooge opens the money bin, or however you wanna however you wanna talk about it. But they're like, all right, you can have some more. So maybe maybe they're gonna blow it out. Uh, yeah, I I don't think that we're gonna see Ahsoka next week. Uh, I just don't really see with everything they've got to get done. I don't think we're going to. I do think we may see her in a season three. I, it, it really knowing what we know now because of the week's announcements uh, with the Disney investors meeting, knowing that there is going to be this Rangers of the New Republic series and we know there's going to be this Ahsoka series, uh, it does seem to me that like Mando is sort of riding the balance between we're having a lot of discussions about the New Republic and what it's trying to do as the First Order is slowly building. And we also have this baby foundling Jedi and Ahsoka showed up and there's discussions about that side of things. And it looks like as as they take these two series, one is going to deal with the more Jedi mystical side of things. And one is going to deal with the political realities of kind of trying to govern a galaxy. And, and you can yeah. sort of look at whether it be Migs 
disappearing and coming back, whether it be Cara Dune becoming a marshal. You know, you can sort of look at these characters and say, ah, I think you're going to fall over on this series and you're going to fall on this one. Right. And what we've seen, and look, like when the episode was over, the first thing I yelled at is, I don't want to wait another week. Like, it's the first thing I yelled because I was ready to get into the war, get into the fight. I do think we're going to see Bo-Katan and her crew uh, there. I do think we're going to see Cobb Vanth in some shape or form for whatever reason. I do think he might come back. I don't think we're going to see Ahsoka. I agree with you, Michael. I think with the announcements yesterday, I think we, we in essence, have to look at that episode with her as the backdoor pilot that a lot of people were speculating that it was now. And so that's certainly possible. And so I'm Obviously, this crew, though, Fennec, uh, uh, Cara Dune, Boba, Mando, they're more than enough for whatever they're coming up against. So I think you, maybe you'll have a couple of more people roll through with Bo-Katan I- or what have you. So I'm looking forward to that next week. But I also think, and this is what's great, too, this entire season, as we're getting into the wrapping up of it next week, obviously, is this change in everybody's position, right? Uh, Grief Karga is now trying to take, you know, trying to run a very peaceful uh, uh, city, peaceful planet. Now you have Kara going and becoming a marshal, you know, kind of going back and being a part of something to picking a side. Now you've got, and then now you've got Mandalorian kind of maybe questioning his upbringing, questioning and moving forward into a new existence. Sorry, we saw that in a, in a microcosm with Migs Mayfield in this episode. So we're seeing a lot of people transitioning out from what we were presented in season one into something else that offers more opportunities and more interesting paths for them to walk uh, as we go into a possible final season three. I don't know how many seasons they're going to do with this, but I can glimpse the end of this story, which really kind of unsettled me as this episode ended as well. So, uh, and the announcements we got yesterday. So, um, all right. Any final words before we wrap up here? Uh, from you all or did you just deliver them i feel like you guys just delivered your final words i would love to drop one more little tidbit here i gotta shout out ludwig ludwig gordson on the music in this episode i thought that he really knocked it out of the park in season one when rick famiua uh directed he seems to just kind of kick it up a notch and add like this hip-hop component to the music whenever (laughs) rick is directing which i'm totally here for um i really enjoyed it and then yeah again Bill Burr won me over a little bit with with the character of Mayfeld. Am I going to wear a Mayfeld shirt to Celebration 2022? Probably not. But I'm a little bit more on board than I was last season, and that's something. I agree. Yeah, Mike? Uh, Yeah, I think with this episode, um, combined, like I said, combined with the just wealth of Star Wars information that we got this week and this episode, uh, you're starting to see not just a great story for Mandalorian, not just a where is this show going to go and what is season three going to be, but you're starting to see them building out this universe that is going to fill in 30 years of content with amazing characters. And, you know, and then like, even like, I, th- I believe in the, in the trailer for the Bad Batch, the new animated series, oh. we got a quick <laughs> shot, a quick shot of what looked like a young Fennec Shan. Mm-hmm. So are we going to also then go backwards and see a young Fennec meeting a young Boba? And that's why he helped, you know, just like, again, as I've been saying every week, you see how they're taking Mandalorian and they are tying it to what came before, building a road towards what's coming. And they're doing it so thoughtfully. So while they're still telling this amazingly simple, straightforward, emotional story about Johnny, to your point, a, a, a man and his son, really. Yeah. Um, they're dealing with all of these other things. And as you guys were talking, it also struck me as we're talking about believers, uh, you know, as much as this is an episode where Mando is choosing to believe in Grogu, he's also leaving some of his beliefs uh, behind. He's outgrown his beliefs and he's doing something different, which Mm -hmm. is also the coolest part of Dave Filoni's other great creation, Ahsoka Tano. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's Good the moment point. when she it's the moment when she left her beliefs about what it meant to be a Jedi and left the Jedi Temple behind that I think she really set herself out on a path to become what she's become today. And it seems like in these past few episodes, Din Djarin is doing a similar thing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, all right. Well, there's our, our, our review. I got to run. I got Chinese food waiting on me, some hot Chinese food waiting on me. So I'm getting some <laughs> texts. Let's, uh, let's uh, tell everybody where they can find you, Laura Kelly. Thanks again for sitting in for Shannon. It's always great to get your points of views and the fans have been loving your analysis and your input on this. So thanks again. And hopefully listen, we're kicking around this idea of doing a live review uh, next week of the entire season and the last episode. So we will see if Laura can join us for that. We'll see if we can make that happen. But Laura, where can they find you and everything you got going on? Sure. If you want to listen to my other uh, show, I host a show called Force Toast to Star Wars Happy Hour. That's an audio podcast that you can find um, anywhere where you can find podcasts. Uh, I also co-host The Jedi Way with John, where we talk about Star Wars, big themes, big ideas. Um, and then you can just come find me on Twitter. I'm at shut up underscore Laura. And there's lots of Star Wars silliness happening in my Twitter feed all the time. So join there, me there is, I can attest to that. I've seen so much of it. <laughs> there is. Mikey, where can they find you, brother? Uh, you can find me uh, at MKToon on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me here each week as one of the co-hosts of The Geek Buddies. In addition to these review shows, we do our weekly show that just covers all kinds of geek news. I believe we might be recording a special one this weekend. Yes, possibly tomorrow to, to talk about all the Disney Marvel to goodness. talk about all the Disney Marvel Disney animation Pixar goodness that's come out this week. So say keep on the lookout for that. I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying they wanted to hear us talk about it because they know uh, that we are indeed geeks who are buddies. Yeah. Uh, so check us all out there. <laughs> And we might have our own special Grogu coming back uh, to join us tomorrow as well. Oh, our little baby Grogu. We could pet him. We could pet our little baby Grogu. Little Shannon, little pet Shannon. Anyway, yeah, you can find me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. Please hit the like on this video and leave the comments down below. You know, I had the six-hour drive here. My girlfriend drove. I was, I was, I had a great time diving into the comments that a lot of you left on the previous reviews that we've done of this and the previous episode of Geek Buddies and Jedi Way. So it was a lot of fun to read y'all's points of views so please don't be hesitant to leave a comment down below let us know what you thought if we missed anything what if you disagreed with anything or if you agreed with anything let us all know uh down there in the comment section below and remember to share this video that's another way you can help promote everything we're doing here on the outlaw nation channel but definitely on geek buddies and definitely for the star wars content we do here as well so do all of that all right and also wear your mask and practice social distancing and be safe and come back and join us next week and look for that announcement uh, if you're watching this tonight, look for that announcement tomorrow that we're going to go possibly live, possibly 1 p.m. PT, uh, to talk about all the Marvel, Disney, Star Wars goodness uh, there uh, on the Geek Buddies. So look for that announcement. But if not, come and join us next week for the review to finish off the season two uh, here reviews here on the Outlaw Nation channel and on the Geek Buddies. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.